Welcome to Nashville. Hey, listen, great to have you here this morning. This morning we start a brand new series of messages, teaches entitled Rethink God. And a lot of this stuff is still kind of what was my studies when I had those three months off because of the surgery and everything. And, uh, and so I want us to rethink God because, man, there's a lot of stuff floating out there about God today. And it seems to make sense to start with the most basic question today, is there a God? Is there a God? Mahatma Gandhi said God is no religion, so he's saying that God is everywhere. Frederick Nietzsche said God's dead, but considering the state of the species that man is in, there will perhaps be caves for ages yet in which his shadow will be shown. So Nietzsche said God's dead, but superstition will keep him alive for many years to come. The question is simply, because people are all over the map on this thing, is does God exist? It's a question for the believer and for the non-believer. For the non-believer, if you're not a Christian, you don't believe in Jesus Christ, if God is real, then you have to deal with God on the basis of His truth from the Holy Scriptures. If you're a believer, then Christianity rests on the existence of God. And if God doesn't exist, then Christianity is false. And so the question of does God exist is important to everybody in this room, no matter where you're at in your journey of faith. There have been many views of God over the years. And sometimes people try to make it seem like there's all of these hundreds and bazillion different views of God because there's all these different religions and all of these different denominations and all of these different kind of offshoots of the religions and denominations. However, let me say this straight up, is that I think we can narrow everything down into four kind of world views, but I want to be honest with you, uh, you're going to hear kind of what I think the right world view is at the end of the day, but I want you to understand that sometimes those of us who believe in the scriptures, those of us who believe that God is God and the Bible is the word of God and that Jesus is who he says he is, the son of God and the savior of the world, sometimes we're labeled as bigoted and ignorant. Now, I promise you I am not a bigoted man. I can also promise you I'm not an ignorant man. I do not believe you have to commit intellectual suicide to believe that there exists an almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving God who rules and reigns over this universe. I don't believe there's intellectual suicide in that at all. In fact, I think, hopefully, by the end of this series, you'll come to understand that that's probably, or that not probably, but that is the most consistent with logic and intellect. The fact is, there's just about all the worldviews of God can be categorized into four worldviews. Now, a worldview is simply how you view the world. It's basically how you answer some basic questions of life. Where did I come from? Am I a product of evolutionary kind of processes? Or am I created by God? Why am I here? Does life have any meaning? Or am I just only born to only to die? Is there a God? And what happens after I die? Or do I get a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, a seventh chance? Everybody in this room has a worldview. Everybody in this room. The question is, does your worldview give you the best answers to those three or four most basic of questions of life? So I kind of want to take a broad overview of four kind of 
just overarching kind of encompassing worldviews. And they, I don't have screens for you. Uh, we're having a little computer glitch. It's my fault. It's not anybody in the media center's fault. And so just, man, I hope you get a pen and a piece of paper out because there's just a lot of stuff I want you to write down. The first of the four worldviews I want to talk about, I'm just going to go in alphabetical order, all right, is atheism. Atheism is a worldview. It claims that there is no God, no matter how you think of him, no matter what you choose to call him. There is no higher power. There is no absolute being. There is no universal life force. There is no God. Now, atheists believe that the universe is eternal. It didn't have a beginning. It doesn't have an end, which does create a lot of problems for an atheist. Where did it all come from? They just kind of, I don't know. For the classical atheist, the universe is eternal. Thus, humanity is a result of random and blind natural forces of chance and randomness and and combined all in a way that just kind of gives us life as we know it on earth. The logical conclusion of this line of thinking is that there's no purpose or reason for our life or our existence. You have no purpose. From an atheistic point of view, you're born, you live, you die, that's it. You don't matter. Life doesn't matter. Nothing matters. You are a result of biological process. End of the story. There's no higher calling. There's no higher purpose. There's no moral good. There's no, you know, kind of corporal kind of, you know, moral kind of binding to us. You live, you're born, you live, you die, and that's it. The next worldview is deism. Now, we don't hear a lot about deism today, but many people, and by the time I'm done explaining this, you're going to say, I know a bunch of people who are deists. Matter of fact, many of our founding fathers in the United States were, were deists. A deist believed that there's a God who created the universe and the people in it. But then he stepped away. He backed up and just let her go. And God is no longer involved in the creation he created. He's no longer interested in you. It's just every man for themselves. And so a deist believes that there is a God... But if there is a God, you can't really know him, and, and you don't really, he doesn't really bother you, and so you don't really bother with God, and you know a lot of people who do that. You know a lot of people who say, oh, I believe there's a God, but they don't bother with God because they believe God doesn't bother with them. That's a deist. Then there's a pantheism. It kind of comes from two words. Theism is just God or the study of God. Pan means all. And so pantheism says, you know, everybody's a God. Everybody's got some divinity in them, you know. And it describes a worldview maintaining that everything we see, every animal, every cat, every rat, every bat that flies, every mosquito... Everything that lives, every cow, every giraffe, you got the idea. Everything that lives, every tree, every stream, every person, everything that is born, everything that has life is part of this divine God force. So in the most simplistic of terms, every living creature, in essence, is part of God. So turn to the person next to you and just tell me, do they look like a God or a goddess to you? 
Some of you were wise there because you went out of the doghouse. It basically says we're all gods. If you remember the movie Avatar, because sometimes this thing of pantheism is a little hard to get our minds around. The movie Avatar was basically a pantheistic, came from a pantheistic worldview. Remember the blue people in the movie, the tribe, they, they lived in very large trees and there was this one huge tree that was the nature goddess and li the life force flowed through that tree to every part of the creation in that movie. And so from a pantheistic perspective, all of nature is a part of God. In the 1960s, just to kind of give you a uh, a different kind of view of that, the New Age movement kind of came to prominence. And it came to prominence, and, and the New Agers believed that they, like the rest of nature, all are a part of God, and the time is coming when humanity will take the next evolutionary leap. But the next evolutionary leap is not going to be a biological leap, it's not going to be a physical leap, it's going to be a spiritual leap. And it will be achieved when we all recognize that we are all God. Now, turn around and just look at the people you just looked at. You don't have to amen here. But how long do you think it's going to take for that person to leap to the God status? What is there in that person? What is there in you to help you elevate yourself to that. Well, the belief holds that there's a godlike force, Star Wars, may the force be with you, and, and all of us that will usher in the age of Aquarius, a time of universal love, harmony, and peace. Now, remember, this movement started over 50 years ago and thought that they would usher in this time of universal love, universal harmony, and universal peace. Did anybody watch the news this week? Not a lot of universal love, not a lot of universal harmony, not a lot of universal peace going on out there. The final worldview is theism. And that's what I am. I'm a theist. I believe that there is one and only one eternal, self-existent, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving God and, and that he exists and that he created time and space and matter and energy and all the laws of science and math and physics and biology and so on that affect all of us. I assert, theist asserts, that we humanity are unique acts of creation by our creator God who created the universe. And the story of God and his dealings with humanity is clearly told to us in the Bible. If you want to know what God is like, if you want to know how he interacts with humanity, you read this book. By the way, don't go to the book of Revelation. Read Genesis. Read the Gospel of John. When you get done with the Gospel of John, read the Gospel of John. Maybe skip back to the Gospel of Mark, and then go back to the Gospel of John. But read the scriptures. Read it in its entirety, but get the right foundation underneath you. And so... Here it is. A couple of weeks ago, I talked to you about the, from a logic point of view. And we talked about the law of non-contradiction. That if two or more, or if two or more views stand in opposition against each other, they cannot all be true. And so the law of non-contradiction non says 
that of the four, atheist, deist, pantheism, and theism, they cannot all be right. You, you can get along with an atheist, you can love an atheist, you can love a deist, you can love a pantheist, you can love a theist, but they cannot all be right because the law of non-contradiction says that if you have two or more opposing views, that one or more cannot be correct. So what I want to do is dig just a little deeper in each of these and, and just kind of let you know that each of them have their problems. Now, the atheist, and we're going to talk about atheism for a second, an atheist will have you believe that if you believe in nothing, you don't have any problems in your belief system. I simply want to make, tell you that in my understanding, and I'm a theologian, or I'm a biblicist, I, a little bit of a theologian, uh, but I'm a biblicist, and, and, and I study the scriptures, and I know a little bit about philosophy, I know a little bit about science, and I study a little bit of this, and I study a little bit of logic, and I, I studied those things, but I, at my heart, at my core, I'm a biblicist, I study the scriptures, all right? But from everything that I've studied, of the four worldviews, atheist, deism, pantheist, and theism, the hardest one, the one that takes the greatest amount of faith to be is an atheist. It takes tremendous faith for somebody to stand there and look you in the eye and say to you, I believe that something came from nothing. Let's say, for example, that you wanted to build a home. Let's put all of the building materials, the plumbing fixtures and the, and the piping and the electrical wiring. Let's put the lumber. Let's put the shingles. Let's put the insulation. Let's put the concrete and the sand and the stuff that makes the foundation and the steel that holds it all together. The two by fours, the two by sixes, the two by eights, and the two by ends, two by tens, and the plywood. Let's put it all together in a pile. Then underneath that pile, let's put some, let's put a lot of dynamite. I don't care how much dynamite you want to put under there. Let's just put a lot of dynamite under that puppy and let's blow it up. Now, how many of you would expect a three-bedroom, two-bath, two-car garage to end up after you blew up the material? Well, nobody would. Yet, the classical atheist would say something came from nothing, and there was this huge explosion, and from nothing, something came, and something that came from nothing that we know nothing about became the something that we now know about. Are you with me? It takes a lot of faith to believe that. For example, if you have a smartphone, I want you to get your smartphone out right now. Everybody get your smartphone out right now. Get it out, get it out. We're going to do this real quick. Okay. You know, we're going to do this real quick. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to get it. I, I want you to get your, it's going to take about, I, I don't know how long this stuff takes because I have no idea. Did you notice Joe said, I will not be out there helping you get the online giving thing ready. I mean, you are, do not see me, you know, see Scott Patterson. Do not come to me. All right. But take a picture. Go ahead. Just take a picture of me. Go ahead. Wait a minute. If you want this one, I'll give you an action shot. Now, I want you to post that on your website or your website, your Facebook or your Instagram. Go ahead right now. Just, just post it. Just say, Pastor Mike, letting it fly at Kirby Church or whatever you want to say. All right. 
Now, if somebody this afternoon, if some of you will get some likes and some of you will get, he's such a moron. Uh, I don't know what you get. But here, if, if you get this message, if somebody Facebooks this, how in the world did that get posted on your website or on your Facebook or on your Instagram? Well, you just emailed me and just let me know. Because everybody knows that you took that picture, you generated the content, and you posted it on your Instagram or your Facebook, right? It did, nobody is going to say, wow, that just happened. It, th- it doesn't just happen. Happened. But the atheists, because they say nothing came or something came from nothing, and you say, well, where did, it, where did matter come from? They go, I don't know. A classical atheist would say, I don't know. It just always was. It takes great faith to believe that. Matter of fact, if you just kind of keep on going and, and thinking this thing, thing through, it, uh, it, it's tough for them to explain while, why natural laws exist. Why are you not floating around in the auditorium right now? Because there's the law of gravity. The law of gravity make, you know, pulls you down because of the motion of the moon and the, and the waves and the elliptical orbits and all of that kind of stuff. But the law of gravity keeps you in your seat instead of floating around. And they say, well, how does randomness and chaos come up with rules of logic, reason, and laws that function properly in our solar system and in our world. And an atheist will go, just does. Just does. <laughs> just went, but that's okay. All right? So it takes great faith to be an atheist. If the universe were just a random cosmic accident, there's no reason for it to follow any certain laws at all. And classical atheists have to ignore a bunch of scientific data to believe in nothing. For example, science now tells us that no matter what worldview you believe, that, uh, that n- it matter didn't always exist. Stephen Hawking, who is one of the most famous atheists out there right now, and he's a brilliant thinker, and, and God has blessed him with a brilliant mind. I wish he would use it, channel it in a different direction, but this is his own words. He said, the conclusion of this lecture, it's his words, is that the universe has not existed forever. Rather, the universe and time itself had a beginning in the Big Bang about 15 billion years ago. My issue is not with the Big Bang. It's simply that Stephen Hawkins, a classical atheist, now says, I want you to hear the conclusion that the universe has has not always existed. The most basic law of science is the law of causality, which says that anything that has a beginning is caused by something outside of itself. That law of causality prompted David Hume, one of history's most famous skeptics, to say this, I've never asserted so absurd a proposition as that anything might arise without a cause. Albert Einstein, 
who created a theory or you know, proponent theory of relativity and talks about time and space and matter and energy. All of that had a beginning. Even he had problems with his worldview. There were times in his life where he was theistic and there was times in his life where he was atheistic. There was times in his life where he was a deist and there was times in his life he didn't have a clue. He was just kind of all over the map because he was trying to make science kind of be the leveraging point of what he believed. To be a good atheist, you got to overlook a lot of logic. you got to overlook a lot of science. And it takes greater faith than what I got to be an atheist. I'll just tell you that. Well, does deism have their problems? Well, sure it does. The God who created the universe, they say, is absent and inactive, and there are no miracles. And I mentioned that some of our founding fathers of the United States were deists. Thomas Jefferson uh, took a Bible and he cut every supernatural event out of the Bible. And then he closed it up and he said, this is what I believe. He was a deist. Now, this is a bit more subjective, but what he is saying is that, and what a deist says, that when God is just standoffish and he stands away and lets the world just kind of does its own thing. That there's no basis in fact in that. That is just simply a philosophical argument. I had a philo- I have several philosophy classes, and I I how can I say this kindly? If you are a philosophy major in here, God bless you. All right? I needed a little therapy after philosophy. All right. I remember the question that Dr. Piccarelli started philosophy with. And uh, he said, if a dog has three legs, is it still a dog? If a dog quacks instead of barks, is it still a dog? He said, if a tree falls in a forest and no one's there to hear it, does it make a sound? And that's the last thing I understood in philosophy class. I want you to understand that a lot of philosophy is is basically postulating, hypothesizing, theorizing an opinion. All right? Many times it has no no basis, in fact, like what the deists claim. They say that God does not interact in his creation and In fact, I I can attest to many, 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 many times God has answered prayers. He interacts with me. And I can tell you many, 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 many times where God just blesses my heart and his glory just washes over me as I worship his most holy name. And I can tell you many, 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 many times where I have read his blessed, holy, and sacred word and his truth just blesses my soul, challenges my faith, and moves me to be more like him. I'm just telling you that there are things that God does that interact with his creation, with us, his, you know, with humanity. What about pantheism? Do they have issues? Well, sure they do. God made the universe out of himself, and there are no miracles, a pantheist would say, since God is in all and everything is part of God. Now, if pantheism were true, then God has the attributes of good and evil, of love and hate, of war and peace. 
In fact, this is often what is proclaimed about a pantheistic pantheistic God. And in some circles of pantheistic belief, the negative attribute of an all-God are merely denied by declaring that evil is an illusion. Now, I want you to understand that a pantheist would say, and a Hindu would say because they're pantheistic, Shiite would say because they're pantheistic, they, they would say that evil does not exist. Now, how many of you, by a show of hands, would say that ISIS is a pretty evil thing? Would you just raise your hand? You are a horrible pantheist. Because as a pantheist, you would just have to raise your hand and say, no, it really doesn't exist. It's an illusion. If you have cancer, the cancer isn't real. It's just an illusion. It's, a, it's a, an illusionary manifestation. It doesn't exist. So pantheists have no remedy for the evil that's in the world or for the sin that's in our life. But theism does. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would never perish. That means the the man or the woman who's a part of ISIS. That means the man and a woman who's part of the Taliban. That means a a deist, a pantheist, an atheist. That means anybody who chooses to repent of sin and put their faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of the Most High, Holy, and Only God, can have a personal relationship with this God of heaven through His Son, Jesus Christ. Well, let me just kind of say simply that nothing is more important than what you think or what you believe about God for it determines what you believe about truth about where you came from and 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 why you're here and it even is going to kind of give you insight to what's going to happen after you die but what does the bible say what does the bible say would you just write these verses down they will Speak to your heart. What does the Bible say to the atheist? Psalm 14.1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Don't be foolish. What does the Bible respond to deism? It's found all over the place, but Jeremiah 9.24 gives us a great answer. But let the one who boasts, boast about this. In other words, if you're going to... If you're going to be a proponent of anything, if you're going to brag about anything, if you're going to hang your hat on anything, he's saying, here's what you hang your hat on. That they have the understanding to know me. That I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, righteousness on the earth. For I delight in this, declares the Lord. That sounds like a God who's pretty active in the affairs of humanity to me. By the way, It also says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you're a pantheist, here's the response, and it's found all through Scripture. But Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is all. That's not what it says. The Lord is one. The Bible would say in other places that there there is no other like the Lord our God. Yes, when you accept Jesus Christ, he puts his spirit in you, but that does not make you God. That's just part of God leading you, guiding you, directing you, encouraging, helping you understand his word, drawing you closer as you worship. 
theism really doesn't have any problems. It's got some faith. Theism, again, is just faith in God and the Bible. It's not blind faith, but it's a response to the evidence. And we're going to talk about that next week. What evidence is there outside of the Bible that points us to a one God of this universe? It's based on real events that can be investigated. A leap in the dark has never been the challenge or the claim of this book. God has never asked you to take a blind leap into the dark. He has always called you to walk into the light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. The Bible talks about how God in the beginning created light. And one of the manifestations of God in the Old Testament is light. He never asked you to take a blind leap into the darkness. He always asked you to walk out of the darkness into his light. So, just to make it real simple, you got four options. You can be an atheist, which is really hard to be. You can be a deist. Which, if you're going to say there is a God, then it doesn't match up with this book. You can be a pantheist, which doesn't measure up to reality, doesn't explain evil in this world. Or you can be a theist, which leads you to the God of Scripture. Which leads you to the truth of this book. Which makes God knowable to us. Through his written word and through the living word, Jesus Christ. So God came to this, or Jesus came to this earth to show us what God in heaven is like so that he is knowable and that you can, uh, and you and I can have a personal relationship with him. Now here's what I want you to do. I just want you to decide which one you're going to be. You want to be an atheist? I admire your faith. You want to be a, a deist, it doesn't measure up to scripture. You want a pantheist, it doesn't measure up with reality. You want to be a theist, I think it answers all of the questions and gives us hope in the process. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? Listen, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you do not commit spiritual suicide to be a born-again, Bible-believing Christian. Amen? There is reason in our faith. God does not call us to reject reason. He calls us to embrace the laws that he created in his original act of creation. The laws of gravity and buoyancy and, and I could just planetary motion and Kempler's law of planetary motions and all of the, the different laws that you can throw out there. Second law of thermodynamics. So what I just want you to understand this morning, that if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you can't just shrug your shoulders and go, well, it'll all work out in the end. None of the three, atheism, deism, pantheism, work out well in the end. None of them offer hope. None of them extend grace. None of them display mercy. The only one that offers hope, the only one that extends grace, the only one that gives mercy 
is the book that starts with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness fell upon the face of the deep, but the Spirit of God moved, and the Spirit of God continues to move today. So if you're a child of God, man, I, I, I hope that part one of this message has just kind of encouraged you a bit. That when people just kind of maybe make fun of you because you're a Christian and you believe in an old book, you maybe have a little bit in your spiritual toolbox to respond to an atheist, a deist, a pantheist. And if you're here today and you have never made the choice to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Son of the only true God who came to die on the cross for your sins so that you could have hope, so you could receive His grace, so that you could know His mercy and have a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. That is not Greek mythology and that is not folklore. Jesus was a real person. We talked about that when we did Rethink Jesus. Who died on a real cross. And the evidence is overwhelming that he rose again for you. So, Father, as we begin this series, would you challenge our hearts? Lord, you tell us to study, to show ourselves approved a workman unto God that does not need to be ashamed to rightly divide the word of truth, to know why we believe what we believe. And so, Father, my prayer is that it encourages our faith, that it emboldens us and empowers us to be a better witness, that we don't have to step back or compromise And our children and our teenagers, when they go off to college, they don't have to be academically pushed around by professors who may have an opposing worldview. Father, my prayer is is that we stand squarely on the truth of God's word in a time that wants to moderate it, change it, Apply it to the culture and make it fit culture instead of trying to make culture fit it. Help us to stand true on your word. You're an awesome God. 